morning, church. Are we okay this morning? Good, good, good. It's better. When I, 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 uh, my name is Josh. Um, uh, I, I lead the youth here, and it's nice to get a response. But often, when I, uh, I'll be like, right, guys, and everybody's like, ooh, and that's about as much. That's about as much as you get out of them. We stand with me a second. And we're going to pray together. I want you to see, you've got two, hopefully most people here have two, two hands. Um, I want you to take one of your hands and put it on your ear and one of, and put it on your heart. Um, and we're just going to pray for open ears and open hearts as we start this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you are here by the power of your Holy Spirit. You've already started to move up, uh, among us and you've begun to do what you've got planned for us this morning. Lord, and I pray will we come with open ears and open hearts to hear and receive your word for us. Lord, I pray where there might be distractions that may seek to get in the way, Lord, will they be cleared right now? And I pray there will just be clarity um, in the words that I communicate, but also in how the congregation receives. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Christmas is coming, isn't it? The goose is certainly getting fat uh, by this, this point of year. And uh, I, uh, I love Christmas. I love all the parts of Christmas. I love the family parts of Christmas. I love the friends at Christmas. I love the food. Every year I like the food more at Christmas. It gets to that thing and so does my belly. <laughs> it's, it's coming on. I'm, wor- I'm, I'm working on it. But one thing I found uh, in uh, sort of in the, sort of the society we live in of Christmas, particularly, is it's become really commercial um, and cheesy. And I find that the cheese factor of Christmas is one that we see everywhere. We've got the cheesy Christmas songs, haven't we? The cr- cheesy Christmas jumpers. Some of you are rocking those this morning. The cheesy Christmas socks. Um, people might be have those on as well. We've got the cheesy jokes that we've already had on news displayed, and then. My least favourite of them all, and I'm not going to rant, but just a little, um, is the Hallmark Christmas films. Anybody ever watched a Hallmark Christmas movie? Raise your hand if you've ever watched one of them. If you haven't, don't. It's, they're, they're, they're absolutely, I, Mum loves Christmas movies. She's been, for the last six weeks on and off, been recording one every day. And I'll come in from work, and I'll be like, didn't you watch this one yesterday? And she's like, no, that was the Christmas Prince. Today's the three Christmas Princes. And I'm like... What's the difference? Like the storyline's the same, the actors are the um, But I, I find that also the cheese sometimes is fil- managed to filter its way into the church. Um, and with our Christmas cheesy message titles, we've had, you may have heard some of these. These are some that I found is, or heard, Unwrapping Jesus. An absolute classic that one is. Sort of the reason behind the season. Yeah, whoever's preaching next week is just tearing up the... The, uh, but it, it gets worse, really. It gets worse. Is going on an adventure with Jesus. That's a good one, isn't it? That's a good one. And then the, my favourite is opening up God's presence this Christmas with a, the presence with a C on the end. Uh, and I think that it's important that as we come into um, a, a time of Christmas, uh, a time of joy, um, a time of lots of fun, uh, it can sometimes become easy to be kind of caught up in the cheesiness of it all. And I generally today want to communicate just some of the reason behind the season. I know that sounds cheesy. I've not called it. Our theme here as we sort of come into this Christmas period is the star is born. The star is born. And we're talking about the star being Jesus, obviously. And I, particularly this morning, want to focus on the arrival of the star. I want to look at the sort of the how, the why, the where, because I believe it all provides significance for us as much today as it did 2,000 years ago when Jesus came. 
Um, Christmas is a time for life to the full, and Jesus, Jesus came for that. I think that Christmas, like no other time of the year, is a super celebration, isn't it? It's a time of great fun. It's a, great, a time of great celebration. And in Matthew 2, verses 10, it says about the wise men, when they see the star, it says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And my prayer for you this Christmas is when you see the star central into your Christmas, then you're filled with the same joy that the wise men had when they saw um, the star. Has anybody here ever had a surprise birthday party? Raise your hand if you've ever had a surprise birthday party. A couple of people. Raise your hand if you've ever planned a surprise birthday party. A couple of people. I've never planned a surprise birthday party, but this is kind of, from my experience of attending surprise birthday parties, this is kind of what I know about it, is kind of There's a lot of preparation that goes into it, sort of the days and the weeks and the months uh, sort of running up to the surprise birthday, doesn't it? So you've got, you start sending around messages on the download that you don't want to find the person whose birthday is to find out. So you're sending around going, well, you need to be, also all the attendees, you need to be here, you need to wear this, you need to bring this, just don't be late. All right? Don't be late. And there's always that one friend of yours who almost gives the game away by inviting the person whose birthday it is to their own surprise birthday party. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? And so, but you've managed to swoop in as the organizer. You swooped in at the last minute and you've managed to rescue the situation. Um, and then you get to the day, don't you? You get to the day of the event and the sort of the venue set up. It might be a church hall. It might be a house. It might be a village hall. I don't know. There's other venues available as well. But you've, you've got the balloons out, you've got the cake, you've got the food all ready to go. And people start, people start rocking up, don't you? And 15 minutes before the, uh, the, the, the guest of honour is meant to arrive, the lights go off, don't you? Which I always think is a bit too early, but just in case they turn up early. So what you do is you spend the whole, everybody who's attending the party spends 15 minutes in complete darkness waiting, don't they? And no noise is tolerated during that time. That you can't, don't even think about, it. the thing is that family members make noise, don't they? Because you've always got Aunt Glenda, who's as equally scary as she is hairy. And, and she's, she breathes a bit like Darth Vader. And she's like, oh. And somebody's like, Glen, get, somebody get Glenda. Somebody, not kill her. But just, just, like, just, just keep her quiet. And you've got, you've got narcoleptic Harold at the back. And the thing about Harold is, everybody, no, everybody sort of knows that he's there. But nobody actually knows how they're related to him. But he always seems to turn up at these sort of occasions, and he's, he's, the lights go down, he's asleep. And somebody's at the back going, oh, wake Harold up. And Harold gets woken up. And then little Johnny's there, he just sat at the front and centre, tucking into, tuck into a can of Pringles. And like, the Pringles are snatched out of Johnny's hand, aren't they? And he's met with a chorus of shushes. And he just basically, the shock on his face. And then the door opens, doesn't it? But it's just Uncle Nevin, and he's just coming late, and it's like, oh, flipping it. And, and, and so everybody's there, and then, then the moment really arrives, you know, and you're all waiting, and the, and the door is open, and you, this time you check it's, it's, it is the person whose birthday it is this time. You're not going to just shout surprise sort of without checking. They come in, is it them? Surprise! Don't you? That big surprise. The balloons go everywhere. The party poppers go off. The music starts blaring. The lights come on. And it's that big moment of arrival. That's the whole point of the surprise birthday party. And sometimes when I read the story of Jesus, I can't help notice the mediocrity that he comes into, that he arrives into. And I'm kind of expecting going, Jesus, like, come on, like, where, why, aren't you, why aren't you turning up into a massive party? Will you read with me? We're going to read. Luke 2, um, and then we're going to read 1 to 18, and I'm going to do my best reading voice. I'm reading from the New King James Version. 
some rustling, some flicking. It says this in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augusta that all, uh, all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went out to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. There isn't an S on there, but it just doesn't sound right about saying flocks. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is to be born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel... Uh, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And it's a bit of a journey for Joseph that Joseph and Mary go on. It, I, I, I kind of Googled it, um, and it, it reckons that between sort of coming from Nazareth, where they were, where they were at the time, down to Bethlehem, it's about eighty. To, it's about eighty to ninety miles. It's a bit, but I've worked out eighty. I've worked. I've, once I worked out, I've Googled again. The average speed of walking, which is about, which is three point one miles per hour. That feels pretty speedy, but um, and. I worked on that basis, given that she would be pregnant, she would have been slower. But on the basis of 3.1 miles an hour, it would have taken them 29 hours of walking to get there. So it's a trek. It's a, bit of, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a right trek. And they pitch up um, at this inn, and they're looking for somewhere to stay. And what that tells us is that they weren't particularly um, well-to-do. They didn't particularly have any family there. So they, there was nowhere to stay apart from the inn. So they go to the inn, and there's no room. But it's like there is, well, there's a stable. And so they stay in the stable. I can't get past the fact of that surprise birthday party. That I think that Jesus, if anybody, deserves a pretty good surprise, sort of arrival in, doesn't he? That when he comes in, everybody should be like, "Yes!" But he comes into a stable, and I often wonder if I was Joseph. I've been given the role of looking after Jesus, of helping to raise Jesus. And if I, when I get to Bethlehem and I find that he's going to be born into a stable, I'm just expecting a smiting at any time. Because I, I understand, and I understand this now, I understand that Jesus to be the King of kings, Lord of all lords, the one with all rule and domain and power in heaven and on earth, and he comes to a stable. And I'm just puzzled by the mediocrity of why would he come like this? It's embarrassing for somebody of Jesus' significance to come how he does. Where's the, where's the, where's the, where's the trumpets? Where's the royal robes that he deserves? Where's the big party? You know, the stable, it's dusty. It's dirty. It's unwanted. Nobody else wanted it. All the, room, all the rooms at the inn were full. It's unwanted. It's an embarrassment. And I realized the stable was me. I realized that that's my life. 
when you take Jesus out of it. It's dusty. It's dirty. Unwanted. No purpose. And I realized that power. And when, when I read that, I, I, I don't preach complicated messages. I'm not clever enough. But when I realized that simple truth, it just struck a chord on my heart. That's me. Jesus came into me. He could have gone into a, he could have gone into a palace. But he came to a stable. A dusty, a dirty, a dingy one. You know, it's got the, st- the stable in itself has no significance in the light of eternity. If Jesus isn't doesn't get born into the stable, never mentioned in the Bible, we're not talking about it here today. But he is born into it. And so for me, there's some significance. And I wondered, and I wondered, and I wondered, I was like, well, that, why, 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 why did you come for us? I often ask myself simple questions because sometimes we can easily come and go, well, we know the right answers in our head of like, well, Jesus came because he loved us. But when you actually sit down and you grasp the enormity of what he did when he came into a dirty, dusty stable as the king of kings, there's something that just has to resonate in your, in your spirit. You know, it was, it's, it's about love. He came because of love. The meaning of the me- mediocrity is Jesus Christ's incomprehensible love for each one of us. I think that's pretty cool. It was a love that couldn't just stay in heaven and leave us to it. It couldn't just leave us to die in our sin and struggle as we go through in all the pain and and stuff that we're facing. It was a love so strong that caused heaven to come to earth so that earth could come to heaven. Real love always moves you to action, by the way. It's a side point. You know, your life can, can be well built, you think. It can be great. It can look good on the outside. You can have painted it. You can have done, done the works up on it. But it's what's inside that counts. Who's living inside your house? Who's living inside you? Who's, 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 in, who's arriving into your stable? Who's there in your stable? I've been brought up in church, um, and I've often heard of the phrase, the rebellious stage. Is that when you when you if you're if you're a Christian you brought up in church you always go through this rebellious stage, and I, I don't I don't agree with that. But um, when I when I was a young person I'm not perfect by any means, but I had my heart captured by the love of Jesus. I can't walk away. There's been times where it's been tough, and and, and I'm like oh maybe what if what would I do if I walked away? But then the words of Jesus um, of Peter to Jesus. Where Jesus goes, are you going to go what to? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, where would I go? You have the keys to eternity. And I feel like that often. Sometimes I've been in tough places. I've been in places sometimes that feel like, oh, maybe, could I turn away? And then I'm just like, no. <laughs> no. He's got the keys. To, where would I go? I could, once I've tasted the love of Jesus, it's captured my heart. There's nowhere else that can offer me what Jesus offers me when he comes to live inside me. You know, my body's going to fade away one day. Paul, Paul refers to it as a tent. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. He says in 1 Corinthians that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are places that hold the very presence of God itself. That is huge. And we take it for granted. The, the enormity of the one who lives inside you. Huge. And the meaning of mediocrity. The meaning of why Jesus came into a dusty, dirty stable. It's because he loved me. 
and because he loves you. And it's why he comes into our life. We live in a society um, that I find is, is, is putting increasing strain on the importance of the external. I, see, I think that we probably live in a culture now that is probably has, is like this, like no other culture before us with the social media. There's such a pressure for the external to be looking good. And I love the fact that Jesus isn't born into the best, best, best hotel in town. You know, he doesn't need five-star accommodation. He made the stars. Like, he made the stars, you know. And he, he, isn't, he isn't born into the, the, the most popular place in town or the, or the cleanest. He comes into the place that has room for him. And I want to ask you the question, do you have room for Jesus this morning? Do you have room for Jesus today? Sometimes um, we get caught as Christians and just people, as just trying to sort of like box Jesus up, don't we? Like, if we, we want to put Jesus over here, like, Jesus, you can stay in the closet because I've cleaned the closet up for you. The closet's super clean. Like, I've, I've, I've been working on it, but don't, don't come over here. Don't come over here. You don't, it's, it's better for you if you stay over here. You don't want to see what I've got going on over here, Jesus. You stay, it's better for you to stay over there. It's so ridiculous. But we, 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 we get caught on that point all the time. If you think the manger was clean, it wasn't. Animals were eating out of it. I don't know if you've ever seen an animal eat. There's dribble flying everywhere. It's, it's, it's not a nice, but Jesus is put in that place. It wasn't clean, but it had room. It had room for him to be. You don't need to have clean lives this morning before Jesus comes in. But you need to have some room. You need to have some room for him to come in. And I... I what I, what, as I thought about this, you know what uh, sort of making room looks like a lot of times? It, 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 it's a change of perspective. You have to take your eyes off yourself. Because as long as you're sort of caught up in the mediocrity of the, the uncleanliness of, of the dust, of the manger, you miss Jesus. So we need to take our eyes off ourselves. C.S. Lewis said this about humility, one of my favorite quotes of all time. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. You know, there have been times in my life where I've got caught up looking at the dust and the rubble of the stable of my life. And I've looked at how, mess, how much I've messed up, how dirty I've, I've felt at points. And you know, you can spend the whole time thinking about how you've fallen short of the glory, you missed the glory. You can spend the whole, t- the whole time thinking short of how you've fallen short of the glory. You miss the glory himself. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such uh, a huge crowd of, sorry, this is one and two, a uh, crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Ready? Listen to this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You know when you're on the champion's team, you're a winner. (laughs) You're victorious. If you're on the winner's team, you've won. We don't always live like that though. You know when you fix your eyes on the champion, your life begins to glorify him. When you begin to fix your eyes on Jesus, he'll clean you up. He'll clean you up. He'll sort that stuff out. You don't need to, we get so caught up in our own human effort. You can't work hard enough to clean up your own sin. You can't be a good enough person to clean up your own sin. 
Jesus has done it for you. You just have to focus on him because he's paid the price for us. You know, when the shepherds and the wise men turn up and, and to see Jesus, there's no reference to them going, a stable? What, 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 what's, what's a stable for? Why is he in a manger? They just come and worship. They just come and worship. And so there's no preoccupation on the, thing, on the circumstances and the situations. They just see Jesus. And sometimes in our lives, we get caught up in the circumstances and the situations where we just need to see Jesus as the primary. And we walk in the door and we don't look at all the negatives, but we see there's the Jesus in it. There will be situations you will walk into this week that look pretty dark. Where's the Jesus in it? My prayer is that you'll look and you go, where's the Jesus in it? Where's the Jesus in it? You know, Jesus didn't need room to be, he didn't want want to be squeezed in somewhere. He didn't want a closet in the inn. He wanted somewhere where other people could come and glorify him too. You know? Is your heart a place where God is being glorified above it all? This is the cool bit though. This is the cool bit. You know, once Jesus has taken his place in our lives, and once our lives begin to glorify him by us fixing our attention on him, there's more. Luke 2, 17 to 20 says, Now, this is about the shepherds. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen and as, as it was told them. Matthew 2, 11, 12 says this about the wise men. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's going to read love. You know, once Jesus has taken his place in our lives, once our lives begin to glorify him, other people see the glory. Other people begin to come and they begin to see the glory. You know, Jesus is the most kind, the most generous, the most gracious, the most forgiving, the most loyal, the best friend. And I could go on and on. And if you don't have him, you need him. And if you do have him, you need more of him. You know, I deal, um, I, I, I lead the youth here on a Friday, uh, well, just, just across the board in the church. But we have, our Fridays are like outreach projects. So we have some uh, kids coming from the local state. Um, and every Friday I'm hearing stories of hurt and brokenness. These kids that are coming in from the, from the local area are really broken. I hear stories of bullying, of self-esteem issues, depression. Self-harm, that's a big one. If you want to pray something at this community, pray that the young people stop self-harming. Abuse in every way. And it's heavy. And it's heavy. And sometimes I find myself going, I don't have the words to be able to say. I don't know what to, what to say. What do I say here? And I've just found that Jesus just turns up. And he's given me the words on my lips of just love and, and peace and grace. I don't know all the answers. You know, as a church, we have the answer to the hurt of the world. We have the answer to the hurt of the world. We have the antidote to fear. Fear consumes all aspects of our society. But sometimes that same pain and fear that we see in the world, that we have the antidote for, it's begun to creep into our churches. And we've begun to become inactive because of it. I don't want to tell my friend about Jesus because of what it might look like for me. It, the cost is too much to pay. 
And uh, if we just understood how much people need this, if we just understood the significance of this, Bill Hybels says that the local church is the hope of the world. What you've got locked inside of you is what the person across the road from you needs right now. But then we just settle on it, don't we? I'm preaching to myself. I, but as I prepared this message, I said, Jesus, will you preach this message to me first? The broken people we're surrounded by, they won't find the restoration or the healing they need in more money, in government changes. They won't find it in job security or sex. They only find it in the love of Jesus. In all circumstances this Christmas, will you be generous to the people around you? Will you be gracious in all circumstances to the people around you? Will you speak life and breathe positivity into all circumstances to the people around you? It's easy to be negative, amen? Yeah? It's, easy to be, it's hard to be positive sometimes. But it's what, I believe it's what Jesus does all the time. I just read his words. That the difference speaking life into a situation makes as well. See, nobody will ever have their life changed by you speaking just words of criticism. Or, or even, you know, it's constructive criticism is good, but people need to be built up. I feel we're, we're really good at criticism or even constructive criticism without the building up first. But it's so central. People's life can change by you speaking a word of life into them. As I come towards the end, Matt, do you want to come and join me? And all the things that we do here, we're just putting Jesus at the forefront. I want you just to remember three things. I'll just, uh, this Christmas, don't forget the meaning of the mediocrity. It's his love for us. Don't forget to make room for him, which may mean that you have to lose sight of yourself sometimes. And always allow and make sure to your best of your effort with the power of the Holy Spirit that the people who you come into contact to see the star that lives within you. I want to finish with a story. Put your hand up if you've decorated your Christmas tree yet. We have an artificial tree in our house. It, I'm not, again, I'm speaking from somebody who's watched the process many times and less about the doing. Um, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really good at that. Um, I'm really good at watching sport, but when it comes to playing it, uh, it's an artificial tree, and, you, and, and we have to unfold. That's the first stage. You unfold the tree, unfold the branches out. And once you've got that, you've got a, the, the solid of a tree before it's just like branches together. Separate them out. The lights go round, I think. Uh, <laughs> the lights go round. Then it's tinsel time. Tinsel time. There's two types of people in the world. There's, you've got the organized. You've got like two colors. Maybe a red and a gold around the tree. Looks really neat. Maybe a blue and a silver around the tree. The second type of person is the person who accumulates tinsel across the course of many years. Different colors. All different colors. And just throws it on the tree. And I can only describe it as like a tinsel monster having thrown up on the Christmas tree. But then the bauble's gone. Then the, fa- the family decorative items that have sort of have been made by children in previous years that not not that great, but we feel bad. And they, they would ask if they weren't there. And we get to that point where oh, the Christmas tree looks nice, but it's not finished. It's not finished in our house. We always have one more thing. We always have that star. Star's got to go on. Tree doesn't look right without the star. And I felt that the Lord impressed on my heart that that picture that for some of us, 
That star is not on the top of the tree. It's not on the place of honor anymore. We've let it fall down the tree. It's somewhere in the middle, towards the bottom maybe. And I believe that this morning is a time to be able to remove, to take it back up to the top, the place it deserves to be. Because the tree will look right. Your life won't look right if you don't have Jesus at the core, the center of it. You can try and try and try. It just doesn't. But when you put Jesus at the heart, at the top, at the place of honor, everything else falls into place. Will you stand with me and just, just, just raise your hands in a receiving position? You're just going to receive what the Holy Spirit's got for you today. If that's you, just as you put your hands like that, everybody put their hands out. So I, I believe everybody's got something to receive this morning. If that's you and you know that actually the star isn't at the top, Jesus isn't at the central point of your life, he's not at the place of honor. I just want you in your heart just to begin to sort of say sorry for the stuff that's been put above it. Maybe that's thought patterns or, or insecurity or whatever that is. Just begin, to, just begin to say, Jesus, you're above that stuff. You're above this. You're above this. And I choose today that you, may, you will be number one, that you'll be a, the star upon my tree. And for the rest of you, just receive. If that isn't you, but you're, you, you, just, you just got your hands up receiving, I just want to ask God, God, will you drop something to my heart from the message that's just been preached that you want from me? I don't want a person to leave without Holy Spirit having to touch them. And as we just begin to sing this song, I just want you to just let it wash over you. Don't sing. I don't want you to sing. I just want you to let the band just sing it over you. I just want you to receive this song. I just this. I saw this the chains around somebody, and Jesus had chopped the chains off because that's what he does. He's the chain breaker. But there's no benefit to being free from the chains until there's movement. And I felt that actually there might be somebody here. You've had the chains removed off you. Jesus has done that, but actually you've just stayed stationary, and you haven't actually felt the benefit. You might as well still be in chains. And he's calling you to walk in to what's next for you.